The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared uh, to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak uh, in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, all not these, all not all these who are speaking, Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phygra, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we all hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. My brothers and sisters, can you join me in prayer? Oh, Heavenly Father, how sweet and wonderful you are. Um, We know that there are hearts that are still hurting, that are being touched by the season that we are in. And we pray that uh, there's a breakthrough as our brother Randall comes forward to just fill the gap between what we know and what Jesus has for us. Lord, uh, please continue to lead us to the truth, away from the lies and towards your truth. And we lift up these prayers in your mighty son's name. Amen. Thank you, Bella. Good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Randall, lead pastor of Grace City. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing that we gather together. I think one of the things that we're finding out in the midst of the pandemic is just how important it is uh, to be in relationship with other people. And so, you know, it, there was a point where we thought, well, maybe it's just like a message I need or, or I could just kind of check out for a little bit. But, but what we're finding is that we need relationships. We need each other. And I think it's important for us right now as we look through the book of Acts to remember that, that God is, is drawing a people together in relationship and they're going to be on this mission to live out the gospel 
and, and share the goodness of, of Jesus all throughout the world. Uh, so it's an amazing thing that's happening here. And, and so we've been in the book of Acts. We, we've walked through it the past couple of weeks. And um, now we are in Acts 2, 1 through 13. <clears throat> And as we looked at the first two weeks in the book of Acts, here's what we've been doing. We've been dipping our toe in a little bit. We've been dipping our toe in a little bit and just kind of seeing what's about to happen. Because you remember that first week we talked about um, just that, that, that waiting. Jesus informed his disciples, you need to wait. And then last week we talked about God's will and discerning God's will and, and then the, 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 the fulfillment of like, okay, now we're going to put uh, Matthias in there as the 12th dis- uh, apostle and, and there's going to be this, this movement of God that's about to happen. But it, again, it was just wait, trust the Lord, trust his timing, trust that God's will is going to happen as you step in faith. And so today we're talking about a greater power, a greater power. This is what Jesus commanded them to wait on. I've been in ministry now for 15 years. And I started out as a youth pastor. And one of the things that the church that I used to work at had was this conference where we would gather all of these different leaders. And so there was leaders from all over the nation and all over the world that would come. And I remember this, this missionary kind of at the end of the conference talking about his experience. And this missionary was from Africa. And here's what he said. He says, it's shocking what American churches think they can do without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's shocking. You see, a, a brother from a different country coming in and really looking at the way that we do church. And his critique was this, that it's amazing what we think we can do without the power of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus was talking to his disciples, he says, you can't be the church. You can't live on mission without the power of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus was talking to his disciples in Acts 1-3, One of the things he talked about was the kingdom of God. He kept telling them about the kingdom of God. And so what is the kingdom of God about? Well, as we look at the Bible, as we look at what Jesus did throughout his ministry, it was this, that there was a restoration that was happening to things that were broken. That there's healing that came and that there's reconciliation that happens. And that was only possible for the disciples to live that out, to live that kind of life through the power of the Holy Spirit. It was impossible otherwise. Jesus made that very clear to his disciples. A.W. Tozer says, I remind you that there are churches so completely out of the hands of God that if the Holy Spirit withdrew from them, they wouldn't find it out for many months. Again, that's what just like doing church is, right? Like if we just came out here and we're just setting up in the park, but really not seeking God, not asking him to be the center of everything that we're doing, it's just repetition and actions without the purpose and the power of what God's given us. 
So today, first we need to ask, like, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is not just this vague force. This isn't Star Wars. Just the, the force is with you, that type of thing. He's not the force. Holy Spirit is God. And so we see throughout the scriptures, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But what happens sometimes in the church is we do the Father, the Son, and we just do the Holy Bible, and we try to replace the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is all throughout the book of Acts and every book through here. The Holy Spirit is at work. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And from the Bible, we find out that the Holy Spirit grieves. Ephesians 4.30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Loves, Romans 15.30 says, now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the, the love of the Spirit, searches, 1 Corinthians 1.20, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, speaks, Hebrews 3, 7 through 8. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Here's the thing about God. You and I need God to know God. You know that? You need God to know God. And so it's God, it's him pursuing us. And like it says, the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And so today, if, if, if God starts to speak to your heart, it says, don't harden your heart towards him. Right? That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. And so we need to ask, what happens when the, the church is devoid of the Holy Spirit? Anybody like you too? Okay, some of us here. Well, their lead singer, Bono, I, I think he has some really interesting insights sometimes. And here, here's what he said. I think he's right. He says, religion is often what happens when God has left the building. A list of instructions where there was once conviction. Dogma, where there was once people who just did it. A congregation led by a man, where once they were led by the Holy Spirit. Discipline, replacing discipleship. Right? Again, what he's talking about here is self-will. Right? You can will yourself to do a lot of things, but Jesus did not instruct his disciples to go out on their own self-will. Here's the deal. I was, I was with a bunch of church planners this past week, people, bright eyes, ready to go out there, church, church plant, excited. And looking at them, one of the things I told them is I said, you can't do it. You can't do it. If you're doing it the right way, you can't do it. It has to be God through you. You're going to cause a lot of damage if you try to do this on your own strength, on your own ability. And so being a church planner five years in, I know that it is only the Holy Spirit of God that has protected us time and time again and give us the strength to be where we're at today. And so we're looking at Acts 2, 1 through 13. This is uh, Pentecost. And so 
we're going to look a little bit at the background here of what Pentecost was. And so this was a, a feast of weeks, and this was a, a pilgrimage festival that was happening. And it was commemorating the harvest that God gave. And what we're going to see on this Pentecost is that it's not a harvest of grain that they're looking at, but this is a harvest of souls, a harvest of lives. You know, it's like when Jesus says in Luke, he says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What's he talking about? He's talking about people that don't know God. And he says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so these are, he's, he's transforming these people into laborers that are gonna go out and, and share the good news of, of Jesus. And so what happens when the Spirit of God enters the church? Well, here's what it is. It's marked by three things. And so we're gonna break down today's text from Acts 2 in three ways. The first one is it's an outside power. Two, it's a joyful freedom. And three, a crucial response. An outside power, a joyful freedom, a crucial response. And so the first one is an outside power. Look at verses one through three. Here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Now I want to look at verse 2. There's two words there from this. Is it suddenly there came from heaven. If you're underlining anything, write that, underline that. From heaven, a sound like a, a mighty rushing wind. I remember uh, me and my family, one time we were on the East Coast and we were at the beach and I remember looking down the beach and seeing this black, dark cloud that was coming and it was coming fast. And so I've got little ones and I'm like, okay, we need to pack up here. We need to get out of here because it was coming fast. And you could see it like the, as you watch the beach, there were people screaming. They're like, ah, you know, it's starting to rain and all this stuff. And people were screaming. They're like moving all their stuff. And it just came so suddenly that it was just shocking to people. We were like running as fast as we can and this pouring rain and all this stuff is happening. We we're like, what is going on here? It just came from heaven, right? It came from above. We weren't expecting it. And what's happening here is there's this outside power that wasn't the people in that room, but it was God moving. Something that they couldn't explain, something that was bigger than themselves. See, we live in a culture that tells us that, you know, we have outside problems, but you have the inner strength to get through. I don't know if you've been in like different workout classes, you know, I, I've been in a bunch of workout classes, like you, you can do it, you're, you're all powerful, you, you know, you're just this and that, and they're just like try, trying to pump you up and pump you up and pump you up, and then, you know, you, you feel good in the moment, and then you go out in the world, and then you're like, that didn't work, you know, like I'm trying to pump myself up again and again and again. The way that the culture works is like, oh, well, your biggest problems are outside of you. But what the Bible tells us is this, that there's an outside power that we need. It's God's power. 
And that the Bible tells us that we have an inside problem that we can't defeat. It's our sin. And we'll try time and time again to fight it and fight it and fight it, but we can't defeat it. And so what Christianity tells us is that that outside power of God came down to earth, became a human being, lived out a perfect life, died for our sins on the cross, and he's the solution to our problem. See, we we need the power of God from the outside to come in. And so when the Holy Spirit is coming into our life, he's coming into the areas of the mess that still lives within us in our sinfulness. See, we think our biggest problems are outside of us. No, it's, it's inside of us. And Jesus came to solve that problem. And he sends the Holy Spirit into these believers to live out what they couldn't have done on their own. And so look at verse 2. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And so I want you to, to underline again each one of them. Each one of them. And so what we have here is we have the apostles that are in the room. Right? We, we know that God's going to work powerfully through them. But it, the, the Spirit didn't just come on them. It came on everyone in the room. And so what we need to understand is this, that it wasn't just certain people that got it. It was all the people that were there. See, this power is for everyone who believes on Christ. It's not just some people. It's all people that believe on Christ, all believers. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. What I want you to understand today is this, that when, when you see, receive Christ, that there is a power that he gives you that you you. you, you you could have never had. And it wasn't just for some people like the pastor and all the, you know, the people that are just serving on Sundays. No, it's for everybody who believes on Christ. So he's giving you the strength to live out the Christian life. And so what happens when, that, when, that, when, when the power of God comes into your life? Well, a joyful freedom. A joyful freedom. Look at verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Down to verse 7. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that, they, that we hear each one in his own native language? Parthians and, and Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. What do we see from this text as the marks of a joyful freedom that comes from the Holy Spirit? 
Well, we see this in verse four. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, what we see here is this freedom is marked in two ways. First, there's a fearlessness. A fearlessness. Right, what we remember from Acts 1 is that they were praying. Why were they praying? Because they're seeking God, asking, I, I, we don't know what to do. I'm sure that many of them were afraid, uh, afraid, filled with doubts, filled with, like, what's next? But it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember a question that one pastor would ask. He would ask this. He says, what are you filled with today? What are you filled with today? For some of you, like as you came here today, like what, what were you filled with as you were coming in? Was it fear? Was it doubts? Was it just confusion? Was it just that feeling of emptiness or lostness? Like what are you filled with today? Because this is an invitation to be filled with God. See, these believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens is that in their life, they, were, they, they, they became bold and courageous. This wasn't just like a personality type, right? Like, oh, well, they're just a little bit more outgoing. No, this is where God started to fill their life and they became something that they could have never been. There's a freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. See, here's the thing. Many times what happens is we start to try to search for who we are. We search for who we are. And, and, and what we do is we, we start to think, well, maybe I'm just a product of my circumstances. Maybe I'm just a product of you know, my ethnicity or all of these types of things. My past, what people said about me. Who am I? What, what am I about? When, when God comes into your life, he fills you in a way where you become really who you were meant to be. It wasn't something that you were just told, well, this is who you are, but he's actually filling you to become the fullness of who you were meant to be. And the beautiful thing about that is this, that you're gonna, you see all the different types of people that were there. I mean, it was like God just brought the nations there. All different types of people. And so there was, what happens next is there's this fulfillment that starts to happen, both individually and corporately. See, because verse 7 and 8 says this, they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? In his own native language. What they were saying as they were preaching the gospel, as they were preaching about Jesus, is that they started to hear it in their own language. You know, what happens sometimes is this, that, that we get off track and we think, okay, that God doesn't care about me specifically and what I've been through and what I'm going through and my past and all of that stuff, but he does. And he's showing specifically here that he cares about the people that are there in this area 
as they're starting to speak. What kind of tongues are, are being spoken here? Well, it's the native language of the present, the people present. It's the native language. And so they're hearing it, and it's a language that they understand. Now, if you're in church for a while, there will be people who talk about different types of tongues. You're probably wondering, okay, well, what, what's going on here? What does that mean? And so I want to give an aside real quick. This specifically in this ver- verses is talking about tongues of people that, are, that they can understand the language. But Paul talks specifically about tongues later in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And the tongues he talks about, there needs to be an interpreter. And, and these tongues here needed no interpretation. This was the language of the people present. Now, there are things that God does that I don't fully understand. And I do believe that there are people who have prayer language, uh, specifically in different tongues. And you can read through 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. I encourage you to study through there, different things. But, but here's, the, here's the problem sometimes, what happens. And I've seen this. Where people, if you, I've seen this even in high school where there were churches where people said, well, you have to speak in tongues to be saved. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. And, and it causes confusion for people because then they're, they're like, well, I don't think I'm saved because I've never spoken in tongues before. And um, again, like I said, I don't know all, all the, the ins and outs of it, but I do believe that God works in ways that we can't understand, that we can't understand it all. And I think we need to be careful when we start to look at other people who have had experiences with God and we start to critique and judge and say, that doesn't fit into my categories. That doesn't fit into my experience. We just need to be careful with that. And loving and caring and listening to people as they have different gifts and skill sets that we might not have. And so, again, that's an aside. But I would encourage you to read through, study 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. All right? Now, next. What's the fulfillment here? Well, there's all nations that are there. There's all nations of people. And Genesis 12, God gave this promise to Abraham and said, all the nations will be blessed through you. And what we're seeing here is this is starting to happen, is that the nations are, are going to be blessed. And so this quote from Timothy Kelly says, God did not let the gospel go out in just one language and culture. God did not let the gospel go out in just one language and culture. Do we understand that here? Like this is, this is extremely important because this is a, this is a really good thing. You and I, we need to be around different cultures because for us Western culture people, experiences like Pentecost become hard to believe for us. But if you travel around the world, the supernatural makes sense. The reason that it's, that it's, it's a problem for us here is that we don't think that there are really supernatural things that happen. There was a study uh, that 
Charles Taylor did on, on just our age. He said he called it the the um, a secular age. We just don't believe in the supernatural, but it's it's all throughout Scripture. And what we need is other cultures, other ethnicities to help us to see God for who he is. We need different expressions of people that don't look like us to come in and say, hey, here's what I'm learning about God. It's not just one ethnicity. It's multi-ethnic. And so as I look around even today, seeing the multi-ethnic nature of our church, I think it's a beautiful expression of what the church should be because we should be sharpening each other to help each other understand who God really is. I was, uh, again, I was standing with those, I was, I was in this cohort with these church planners. And one of the things they started to confess was this. They said, you know what? They said, I didn't realize it, but I lived like God for the guy who was speaking, he says, I, I lived like God was a Latino. Instead of being created in God's image, I, I started to make God in my own image. I didn't even realize it. He said, or, or, or he said, and then, you know, or I was living like God was a Korean or, or a white person. Friends, he, he, he's not like any of you and me. But at collectively, it says that we reflect the image of God. And so you and I need other people that don't look like us and act like us to help us to see who God really is. We need that. I love this quote from Laman Sena. He says, because what happened was um, missionaries would come in and basically tell Africans, don't be African anymore, be like us. This was happening on the mission field. And then the, the, he says the Africans started to hear the gospel. You see, here's what he says. He says, Africans sense in their hearts that Jesus did not mock their respect for the sacred or the clamor for an invincible savior. So they beat their drum, sacred drums for him until the stars skipped and danced in the skies. After that dance, the stars weren't little anymore. Christianity helped Africans to become renewed Africans, not remade Europeans. You understand that? Like what this is, this joyful freedom that starts to happen is you start to actually live into who God created you to be. And we need that, friends. We need that. I need that. The church needs that. Because that's how we sharpen each other. See, we all have differences. And there needs to be a safe place for us to dialogue about those differences and bring it back to the cross of Jesus. Right? That's what brings us back every time. You can have differences. We all have differences here. Elections coming up. You have differences. But can we bring it back to the cross? We're talking about being a gospel-centered community. Christ-centered community of people. And what we see here is this multi-ethnic explosion where the gospel is reaching all people. Alas, a crucial response. Here's what it says, verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are 
all, they're filled with new wine. Now, there's two parts to this. First, look at verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed. You know what happens when you start to live a spirit-filled life? People are going to be amazed and perplexed. Perplexed. You like that word? Perplexed? People are going to be like, you're weird. What's going on with this person? They're different. Perplexed. Amazed. Hold on. You do what? You, you came to a service at 8.30 a.m.? <laughs> in a park what little perplexing little little weird when you live a spirit-filled life it's going to be different and what happens next is verses 12 through 13 what does this mean some will ask but others mocking said they are filled with new wine when you live a spirit-filled life there's going to be reaction to that we don't like that part of it but there is a reaction and here's the reaction. I'm going to receive or reject what God is doing. I'm going to receive or reject what God's doing. So here's the thing. You don't have control and I don't have control. God is in control. But he's asking us to live out that, that, that life for him. And some will receive that. Some will reject that. But you see, when you, when you live out the gospel... When you live out the mission of Jesus, you're going to start to upset some of the power structures that are in place. You know what the power structures were here? That religiosity, the Pharisees. You you know what's going to happen? This is going to be very upsetting to the Pharisees. They're going to come. They're going to try to to persecute. They're trying to kill. (laughs) They're, they're, They're done. I thought we were finished with Jesus. Now there's more starts to disrupt the power structures. I thought we were in charge here. We got to get back control. Heard this quote from Robert Guerrero. He says, if the gospel doesn't challenge power, there's something wrong with that gospel. You know what the, the power structure of Jesus is? Serve. Humility. Love. That's going to disrupt. That's different. That's a different power structure. It's not going to make sense. And so Jesus is calling us to that life of humility, of serving. And Jesus says, no servant is greater than their master. You don't think there's going to be response or reaction to that? But that's what it looks like to live that spirit-filled life. And so just some takeaways. A Holy Spirit-empowered life is this. First, it knows it's powerless. It knows it's powerless. Henry Blackaby once said, he says, will God ever ask you to do something you are not able to do? The answer is yes, all the time. It must be that way for God's glory and kingdom. If we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the Spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. That's different. Next, confesses weakness regularly. 
confess his weakness regularly. Again, this is just something we just do not want to do, is it? Like, I don't want to confess my weakness because then that people will actually think that I'm weak. That's the point. It's not about me. You know, I remember one time I, I was asked, like, you know, we hear about this servant life, like living a servant life, but what do you do when you're treated like a servant? What do you do? Do you still want to live like Jesus? I got to confess, actually, no. I don't have the power within me. Jesus, can you help me? Holy Spirit, can you fill me? Confess my weakness regularly. See, there's a tangible humility that happens in our lives when the Holy Spirit is active. So let me ask, what are you filled with today? What are you filled with today? Will you confess that weakness and, and, and ask God to come in and break through? Next takeaway, patiently endures difficulty. You will be mocked, you will be persecuted, you will be misunderstood, you will have trials and tribulations. Part of it. Part of the Christian life. But you know how you make it to the other end? It's when you look back and say, you know what, God saved me from this and he gave me strength here and I just couldn't do it. And I was, I was overwhelmed yesterday just listening to some of the pastors. And I called my wife afterwards, but one of the pastor's wives said, um, she said, there are many times when it's the pastor's wife that's there to pick their husband off the floor because no one else is there. And I just broke, man, when I heard that. I called my wife. I just said, thank you for being actively the, that presence of the Holy Spirit in those moments when I couldn't do it. I couldn't make it. You know, and you're going to go through those moments too where God's going to put those people in your life to lift you up. And you know what? It was the Holy Spirit that was there. It was God that was there in those moments working through somebody to lift you up. But you patiently endure difficulty and you get to the end and you know that it was God who lifted you up. And last, pushes us beyond ourself. It's not about us anymore. It's about God. And what we're going to see through the book of Acts is again, as this, as this next week, the sermon that, that Peter preaches at Pentecost, it, it points people to Christ. It points people to the gospel. And that's what we need. See, what is God doing here? Well, ultimately, he's working in a way where it's like the reverse Babel. Remember the, the, the story of, of Babel? If you don't know the story of Babel, it's in the book of Genesis and it's these people who thought that they could build their way up to God. They built this huge tower of Babel. So they're building and building and they all speak the same language and then they're confused as God said, nope, I'm going to give you different languages and you're not going to be able to work together like that anymore. And so what this is is the reverse Babel because the first Babel was all about being self-driven. It was a self-driven life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my way up to God and I, because I want to be God. But this second Babel, it's the reverse Babel. 
what happens is it was about a spirit-empowered life. It's not a self-driven life anymore. It's a spirit-empowered life. The first Babel glorified self. Acts 2 glorified God. Again, the, the, the first Babel was all about man working his way to God. The second Babel was all about God working his way to us. Friends, at the end of the day, when, when, when we live our lives, are we going to make this about look at all that I accomplished? Or is your life all about look at what God has accomplished? Because in that, you're going to find where your power source is. You're going to find where your strength's been that whole time. And the, 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 the place where God is going to feed you again and again is coming back to the fact that it was God, an outside power coming down to earth, became one of us took all our sin on himself all the way to the cross, died for our sins. That self-will, that, that drive that we have in us, you know what that did? It put Jesus on a cross. And he died for our sins. And it was the power of the resurrection on that third day that Jesus has defeated our sin. He's defeated death. It's going to be the thing that empowers you every day again and again because what was Jesus teaching his disciples? The gospel. Keep preaching it to yourself again and again. You can't do it, but God can. You can't do it, but you're a son because of what Jesus has done for you. You're a daughter because of what Jesus has done for you. You're going to keep feeding off of that. That's going to be the power in your life that's going to help you. See, it's that gospel message Plus, plus that Holy Spirit fire that's going to stir you and give you the strength that you'd never had before. Do you have that today? Do you have it today? Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that um, as we look through the book of Acts, as we look at Acts 2 and, and forward, that we see that your Holy Spirit was at work then and is still at work today to help us to understand more and more of who you are. And I pray, Lord, that it sinks down deep into our hearts that we worship you for who you are and what you've done, Lord, and that your church is this beautiful reflection of dependence on you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.